Welcome to Engaging Experts, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with influential attorneys. Our guests will describe their practice and expertise. Then we will go deep on various topics related to effectively using expert witnesses. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Engaging Experts. This is Dan Rubin, the National Business Development Manager of Roundtable Group, and also one of the hosts of this podcast series. We have another great guest for you today. Steve Chapelier is a senior litigation attorney in the Columbus, Ohio office of Eastman and Smith, where he focuses his practice in the areas of business and complex litigation, including construction, patent and trademark, probate, and employment, as well as dispute resolution and appeals. Steve has over 43 years of litigation experience, including more than 60 trials. Among his many career accomplishments, Steve has been listed in Best Lawyers in America for over 25 years and has been named as an Ohio super lawyer for 16 consecutive years, including top 100 in Ohio twice and top 50 in Columbus three times. Steve is also past president of the Ohio State Bar and Columbus Bar Associations and the current first two-year president of the Ohio State University Varsity O Alumni Society. Steve, welcome. Thanks, Dan. I'm delighted to be here. Very kind of you to invite me. Uh, Our pleasure. I'm looking forward to it, Steve. Before we dive in, uh, let's pause for a brief sponsorship message. This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. So, Steve, um, I'd like to start by asking a question that I ask of all of our guests. What led you to the practice of law? It all started with a couple of books I read as a teenager. I was an avid reader as a child. And uh, the first book that made quite an impression on me was, interestingly enough, given the name of your organization, The Once and Future King by T.H. White which is the story of King Arthur and the round table, the Knights of the Round Table. I thought that was a tremendous story. I was very inspired by King Arthur, Sir Galahad, Sir Lancelot, uh, these individuals who were noble, who were just, who were champions of the oppressed. And I I saw them as, as heroes, I saw them as valor, having integrity, being all about the truth. And uh, so that was very inspiring to me as a teenager. But there's not a lot of work in the 20th or 21st century for knights uh, (laughs) to go around searching for holy grails or rescuing damsels in distress. But that led me to the next book that made an impression on me, and that was To Kill a Mockingbird. And I read about Atticus Finch. I saw Atticus as having some of those same traits of the Knights of the Round Table. And he was honest. He was fair. He was true to justice. He fought for justice. He did what was right. Uh, And that was very inspiring. I had never met a lawyer. Uh, I was the first college graduate in my family. But Uh, I saw Atticus Finch, and I thought about those nights of the round table, and I thought, lawyers do those kinds of things. That's what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to do what's right. I want 
to seek justice. And that led to my career as a lawyer. I absolutely love the roundtable parallel. And we are certainly grateful that you've taken your seat at the roundtable as a, as a current and former customer over the years, Sir Stephen. Um, so take us through a bit of your, the chronology of your legal career following law school, if you would, Steve. Sure. Again, since I had never seen or met a lawyer before law school, and then it was law school professors, I really didn't know what I was going to do when I got out of law school other than be a lawyer. I had watched some Perry Mason TV shows, and so I, uh, if you would have asked me during my first year of law school, I would have probably said, well, I'll be a solo practitioner, and I'll defend people who've been unjustly accused of murder, and in an hour, I will get them acquitted. Uh, I got a little more sophistication as law school went on, and I did well in the moot court program uh, at the Ohio State College of Law. And I also did well in the trial advocacy program. I worked as a summer clerk at uh, a nice law firm in Columbus. We were able to do work in all kinds of areas. It was primarily a business law firm. And I did work in a lot of different areas, but what I really seemed to enjoy the most was litigation. And so I thought this must be what I'm destined to do. And it did fit in with those same themes from uh, the Knights of the Round Table, and from Atticus Finch, and from being a college wrestler that, okay, this is all about being in in uh, combat with rules, and that seems like what civil litigation is all about. So I, I started uh, in 1977 as an associate in a law firm doing litigation, and that's what I've done ever since, and I've really resisted breaking that down into any really narrow, finite areas. As you mentioned in the introduction, I've worked in a number of different substantive areas. So whether that's trust and estates litigation or corporate litigation, or I've done personal injury cases, uh, business disputes between 50-50 owners of a, a small business or a limited partnership, all kinds of things. And I really enjoy that because it does allow me to get expertise and learn about all kinds of different areas, learn about people in different kinds of setting, learn about different ways that people go about making a living. It's been fascinating and I continue to learn every day. So that's really been the chronology of my career is just working these nearly 44 years uh, in a law firm uh, doing civil litigation of a variety of sorts. You may not be as well known as Harper Lee, but I understand that you are a frequent author and speaker yourself. Uh, tell us a little about some of your your uh, writings and speaking engagements. Thanks. Uh, sure. I, I've i enjoyed uh, not only reading, but writing since I was a child. And so I, I like to write. Uh, I've written lots and lots of articles for um, either bar association publications uh, well, that's primarily what it is, but I, I used to keep track of every single civil jury verdict in this county, right, in Columbus, Ohio, which is Franklin County. And so our common police court here, which is the general division court, I started back around 1985, uh, keeping track of every single jury trial. 
And uh, this also has an expert witness component to it because what I would do as part of my research would be to find the case first, then do the research on it. So it's Smith versus Jones, and I would write up a summary of that trial. So the Smith versus Jones trial involved these lawyers. These were the basic facts of the case. Here's what the settlement negotiations were, the last demand, the last offer. And here's who the expert witnesses were. And that was a very early way for people in our community to see, well, in a certain kind of a case, an employment case, a medical malpractice case, whatever it is, here's who people are using as expert witnesses. And that was published in our bar publication for the Columbus Bar Association. So that was one of the things that I, and then I, I wrote a number of books summarizing all of those cases so that you could draw trends and patterns and figure out what an average verdict was, a mean or a median verdict in a particular kind of a case and see how that changed over time or didn't change. So it was those kinds of things that I, I enjoyed writing. Now, more recently, you mentioned uh, the Varsity O Alumni Society, and I write a president's page column in that uh, every quarter. I have one due in a week, and that's fun. That's, that's something I've really enjoyed doing. And so over the past year, I've had one that was centered on a theme of right after COVID happened and how this is a tough time, but we're all former athletes. We've dealt with adversity before. We've dealt with trouble. We don't shrink from it. We stand up to it. We'll get through this. So that was one. Last summer, I had one after the George Floyd uh, killing that dealt with how athletes look at one another and in the locker room, we're all on the same team and it doesn't matter what we look like or what backgrounds we come from. We're all on the same team and we work together to get to a common goal. So I had that. I had another one where you may recall Joe Burrow, who was a Heisman Trophy winner and played at LSU on the national championship team. Well, he used to play at Ohio State and um, he got hurt when he was playing for the Cincinnati Bengals about a year ago. And when that happened, two former Ohio State teammates who were on the other team came over to him and showed compassion. And they put their arms around him and they were consoling him for this. Uh, and so the theme of that article was all about how you're always a Buckeye. You, no matter what happens in your life, you have people who will be with you, who are your teammates for life. And uh, then the most recent one was about, was actually inspired by a commercial for beer during the Super Bowl. And uh, it was a Budweiser commercial. And it was about, uh, do you win because you're happy or are you happy because you win? And this was a very profound, I thought, beer commercial. And uh, that led me to explore that a little bit. And that's what I wrote about in my column. That's great. I love it. I, and I remember, I remember that moment when Joe Burrow got hurt um, uh, because my son and I uh, had him on our fantasy football team. And so that was a especially painful moment. But I remember that uh, the the teammates, his former teammates on the other side, uh, showing that that sportsmanship, and it was wonderful. You know, so 
you, this ties in, I think, really well to how you've uh, given back uh, to your community, uh, Steve, and, and to Ohio uh, as an attorney um, in particular. Uh, I understand that you were the recipient of the Public Interest Law Foundation Excellence in Public Service Award, which for our listeners uh, is given by the Public Interest Law Foundation of Ohio State's Moritz College of Law to two outstanding attorneys annually for their pro bono legal services and other public interest work in the community. Can you expand on your public interest work? Sure, that's nice of you to ask about. I. It really comes down to two things. One is the direct rendition of legal services to the indigent. And I just always have several cases going on where either through the Legal Aid Society of Columbus or through the Columbus Bar Association, they have some programs. For example, we have programs helping veterans in any number of capacities. There's, there's no problem finding cases to work on. And generally they're not really in my particular field of expertise, but they're areas where people need help. And I have some skills and talents and I can learn things. And so I've, I've done that for many, many years. So that's a part of it. And many, many lawyers do that. And I'm proud of our profession that we have lawyers who do that and do it eagerly. Um, the other part is, and I think you mentioned in the opening comments, work I'd done with the Columbus Bar Association and the Ohio State Bar Association. Well, they each have related entities, which are bar foundations. And I've been the president of the Ohio State Bar Foundation and then an organization called the National Conference of Bar Foundations, which is bar foundations all around the country. If you just take the Ohio State Bar Foundation, this is a a group that has a corpus of about $35 million. They award about a million dollars in grants every year. And their mission is to help educate the public about the law and the justice system and to improve justice and particularly access to justice. So there, rather than just working as one lawyer helping one client, the Bar Foundation in Ohio and around the country, there are Bar Foundations all over the country, they have similar missions where they can leverage this. And for many of us, that's a lot of the reason we went to law school was to help people and help people that are in particular need. So these grants that are awarded are designed to do exactly that, whether it's providing money to have um, brochures available at the courthouse or on a website that are multilingual so that people who don't speak English as their first language can figure out where small claims court is or where to go to get help with child custody or child support issues. Those are the kinds of things where you can really make a difference working with a bar foundation to service not just one client at a time, but thousands. Obviously you get so much satisfaction from it and as you should. And, and uh, at Roundtable Group, you know this as a current and, and repeat client of ours. 
uh, we pride ourselves on on giving back as much as we can, both through charitable donations and uh, you know in in our clients' names, and and also uh, through our pro bono expert witness program. So, you know, it's 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 very near and dear to um, the owners and founders of Roundtable Group, and and um, uh, obviously to you as well. So, speaking of Roundtable Group and expert witnesses. I know you recently presented to Ohio attorneys on the use of expert witnesses. Can you tell us a little about the substance of that presentation? First, let me tip my hat to Roundtable Group on the pro bono efforts, because I know in particular that working with veterans is important to Roundtable Group and also working with the experts that are provided by Roundtable Group to have them assist in pro bono cases. And I think that's incredible. And it's a, it's a great contribution to our justice system, the Roundtable Group, to do that. Thank you. The, the most recent talk that I think you're referring to was just about a month ago, and it was to the Ohio Attorney General's office, where the, uh, the Ohio Attorney General provides essentially in-house CLE to the assistant attorneys general. And these people obviously do great work. Uh, it's all wonderful public service. And uh, they, they try to have people come in and help train their younger, but lawyers of all ages. And we put on an, a, an all day program about working with expert witnesses. Um, I was the lead off presenter to essentially give an overview. So I spoke for an hour and then throughout the day, there were other people that gave examples of how you do a direct examination of an expert, how you do a cross-examination, things that you might think about. So my topic was more, how do you select a good expert witness? Why do you need an expert witness? And then what are the standards? What What's this Daubert? What's that all about? And Kumho Tire and what does it mean for something to be reliable? Uh, and how do you challenge the qualifications of an expert? So those kinds of things were the, the things that I went through. And I try to, whenever I do CLE, since people don't really like looking at my ugly face, I try to put movie clips up. And I have found that I get much better evaluations when people don't have to look at me, but they can watch fun and interesting movie clips uh, with handsome and beautiful movie stars uh, playing the parts of lawyers. And so I had you know, five or six movie clips about expert witnesses in that CLE presentation. I think you have much more than a face for, for podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> radio as well. Uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, we appreciate that very much, Steve. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, sticking with the topic of expert witnesses, can you expand on your use of experts and how you go about finding the right experts? Sure. It has evolved, and I think very much for the better, uh, in my more than 40 years. When I first started, it was largely a process of asking my client if they knew anyone uh, asking my partners at the law firm if they knew anyone. This was all before the internet. And so going to the library and trying to find things. And frankly, it was pretty happenstance. I 
I think I ended up with some good experts, but I really can't take any great credit for that. I, I think I lucked into it, frankly, several times. And so I was delighted uh, when now more than 25 years ago, Roundtable Group came into existence. And now you have an expert on experts that you can turn to. And it's a pretty easy sale to my client to say, well, we need to work with these people because they will find us the expert that we need for this case. And it will be so much more efficient and it will get a better person than I can. And if I get any pushback, which sometimes happens, I have a pretty simple question. Do you want to win the case? Pretty much every time they'll say, yes. I'll say, then this is the way we need to go. These people at Roundtable Group have a long history and they have this great database of existing clients or of existing experts that they know and that they have vetted and they know something about whether they have prior testimony experience in depositions or in trials and whether that's important to the client or not to have that kind of expertise, to know what their credentials are, to know whether their qualifications fit our case or not. And so that's where we need to go. Um, Ms. Client, we need to go to Roundtable Group. And so uh, I've been very grateful that Roundtable Group exists so that I can lay out, all right, here's who my parties are. Let's make sure we don't have a conflict. And here's what the basic facts are. Here's what I'm looking for in an expert. And then for no fee, I can get several names that my client and I can then do further vetting of to see if we have a fit because we we want to find out first about qualifications. That's basic. We want somebody who is going to meet those standards and is not going to get disqualified. We want somebody who can be a good teacher, who can speak the language of either the judge or the jurors, depending upon who the fact finder is here and who um, is credible. So we need qualifications, we need credibility, and we need someone who's a teacher who at least has some modicum of understanding about persuasion, not that they are a great used car salesman, not that they are someone who is going to persuade in that traditional sense, but people who are smart enough to know when you need to make concessions that will actually make you more believable, uh, when you um, when you go from advocate mode to teacher mode and back and forth, that's an art and not everyone has that. Uh, fortunately, there are people who have really great credentials. They're very, very smart people in this particular narrow field. And they also know how to talk in a way that people understand them and can relate to them and can learn from them. Well, you just made the case for Roundtable Group and stated our value proposition better than I ever could have. Thank you for that, Steve. Uh, I just wanted to close by asking you a question that, uh, that we started asking our listener, or, or I'm sorry, our guests, and that is, um, is there a particular local restaurant uh, in Columbus or uh, Greater Columbus that uh, that you would recommend to visitors to your your fine city? 
Absolutely. My recommendation would be for the refectory. The refectory, it is a four-star restaurant under the AAA uh, guidelines. It's been around at least 30 years. They have contemporary American cuisine, classic French cuisine. It is an outstanding restaurant. And Here's the added bonus for me personally. And this is the kind of thing that happens when you live in the city where you grew up. Um, I say with a combination of pride and a little embarrassment that I have never been outside Columbus, Ohio for more than two weeks in my entire life, which either tells you that I'm about as Columbus, Ohio as you can get or that I have no life or a combination of those. (laughs) But the refectory is uh, located in an old church building, a church that was built in Columbus around 1850. And this is the church where I went as a child. This is where I went to Sunday school. And when they converted this into a restaurant in about 1982 or so, the first time I went there, I was shocked to see that where the choir loft was, where my mom sang, is now the bar. And I thought lightning was going to strike. Uh, Fortunately, it did not. Uh, And I've gone back many times because the refectory is a wonderful restaurant. When we have people come in from out of town, that's where we go is the refectory. What a great story and what a great endorsement for the refectory. I can't wait to dine there when uh, I'm next in Columbus, hopefully soon. Steve, this was so great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and um, you know, sharing, uh, sharing your stories and, and your, your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Dan, it was wonderful. Thanks for listening to Engaging Experts. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss our future episodes. 